I'm going to pray. We'll get uh, into what we're talking about this morning, okay? Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing these people here. Thank you for bringing me and my wife to Cody. Lord, thank you for all the blessings you've given us. I pray that as I teach today about obedience and courage, that it is uh, nothing from my wisdom or my heart, that it is from your word, Lord. I pray that if it's anything I say that's not biblical, I, say, I pray that it is forgotten. I pray that if anything I say is biblical, I pray that it is remembered and reflected upon. We love you and we thank you. In your precious name, amen. All right, well, uh, you might have heard it earlier, but we are talking about obedience and courage. We're talking about that because that's what our kids have been talking about the past two and a half, or two, like one and a half months, okay? So we've been talking about obedience and then courage. We're taking a break from 1 Corinthians. Some of y'all are like, man, God is good. We are taking a break from 1 Corinthians. Uh, and so we'll be talking about obedience and courage Today. And we've been talking about how uh, obedience, we're all called to the same thing. We're all called to this high calling, okay? A high calling of obedience. What is that? It's in John 14, 15. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John 14, 21, a few verses later, it says the same thing. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. It's all across the Bible. This idea of we are supposed to obey God's commandments is all across the Bible. John 14, 21, it's the same thing. Or John 14, 23, it says Jesus answered him. If, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And then Deuteronomy 28, 1 also says the same thing. And so it's all across our Bible, right? We are to obey God's commandments. And then we're not, well, we might be dumb, but we're not that dumb. So there's a reason that courage came right after that, right? There's a reason that courage came right after that. And that is because if we obey God's commandments, if we follow God, if we look to God and follow him, what's going to happen? We're going to go against the grain of society. We're going to come into situations where we have to have courage. That is just true. Outside of these walls, the world is going one way. And if we obey God, we're going to go another way. We're going to be in situations we have to have courage. So we have to talk about it, right? We have to talk about it. So when I was thinking about teaching about obedience, thinking about teaching about courage, I came uh, across this idea that I thought would be, one, a funny video, but also I think it would be a good example of what it looks like, what it feels like to, uh, to obey God a lot of the time. And so, uh, take a look at this video, and then uh, I'll talk after. All right, kids. I'm going to leave this right here for a second. Wait. You got to wait. Mommy's got to go in the other room. And when I come back, you can eat it, okay? Kay. So, I'll be right back. Don't touch it yet. Okay, so that is from a thing called the Kid Candy Challenge or the Candy Challenge or whatever it is. You can go look it up on YouTube or wherever. It is hilarious. There's a ton of examples. Any, like, all reactions you could think about. I swear, there's, like, a ton of reactions. There's kids, like, looking at it and, like, they can't stop thinking about it. They're touching it. They're, like, smelling it and stuff. You're like, that's not going to help you. And then uh, there's that. So that person ate it immediately. There's no hesitation. She knew from the moment... Her mom left. She was eating that Reese's cup. And then she took off. She was getting out of Dodge. And so, uh, but the reality is that is what a lot of times it feels like to follow God's commands, right? 
there's something in front of us. It may look good. It may sound good. It may look like it could satisfy us. But the reality is there's nothing that can satisfy us apart from God, right? So all these things in the world uh, that look good, that we may think is good, that gives us the illusion that is good, those things are not good if they are not in God's commands, right? We have to follow God's commands. And so we'll be talking about that. We'll be answering these questions because we have to answer, we have to ask these questions. We have to answer these questions. What are we obeying? Who are we obeying? What does it look like to obey? How do we have courage? Where does courage even come from? We have to answer these questions before we can be in situations where we are required to have courage. Because if we don't answer those questions, we'll get in these situations and then it's time to have courage, but we haven't thought about it before. And guess what? You're not going to be courageous. You're not going to be courageous. And so First, we'll talk about obedience, okay? So obedience, if you look it up on Google, Google says this about obedience. It says, obedience is compliance with an order, a request, or a law. Compliance with an order, a request, or a law. And I think that's pretty good. Our kids' ministry learned this definition. It says that we are following God's commands, his way, the right way, all the way, okay? So we are following God's commands, his way, the right way, all the way. I think that is a great definition. I think it's simple. I think it's good. But here's the reality. It's not easy. It is not easy. Following God's command sounds good. It sounds simple. It is not easy though. So we have to talk about it. Why is it not easy? It's not easy for a few different reasons. One, because we're all sinners and around us, we're all like, everyone's a sinner. Everyone's a sinner and everything's broken in this world. So if you look around, every single thing is broken. It's not easy to follow God's commands when the world doesn't want us to. The second reason It's because there's 1,050 commands in the New Testament alone. That is a ton of commands. That's like, I don't know if I know that many words, to be honest. That is a ton of commands. And so how in the world, like if you quizzed me, if anyone can come up with over 100 commands in the New Testament and could write it down right now, I would be very impressed. And so the, the reality is how are we going to follow these commands? How can we follow God's commands if we don't even know what they are? There's 1,050. How can we do that? But... Jesus, and Matthew makes it a little bit easier for us. He says this in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 48, this is amazing. He says, On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. That is amazing. On those two commands depend the law and the prophets. So it's a little bit simpler, right? We can love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Love God, love others. Love God and love others. It's a little bit easier. But it's not that easy because we're all sinners. We naturally are children of wrath, right? So if God tells us one thing, if our parents tell us one thing, there's something in us, in our nature, that makes us want to go the other way. We want to rebel against God. We've always been children of wrath. And so I'm going to give us two different examples, two different things that we can always come back to and I'll point back to and think about that's going to help us obey God's commands. It's going to propel us into obeying God's commands, okay? So the first one is this. The first one is full devotion, okay? It is the mission of our church. Does anybody know that? The mission of our church is to be in the make fully devoted followers of Christ. Be in the make fully devoted followers of Christ. And, and I understand that at this point you're probably like, yeah, it sounds great. It's a good motto. It's a good vision. It's a good mission, whatever it is. But how in the world is that going to help me obey God's commands, right? How can that help me? It sounds like another command, right? Doesn't it? It sounds like another command, full devotion. Okay, it's another thing I've got to do. But here's the reality. The best way I can think of it is this. 
following, trying to obey God's commands and follow God's commands without being fully devoted to God is going to be similar to going to the 4th of July parade here and telling yourself you're not sure if you're going to eat candy or not. Because the reality is, if you go to the 4th of July parade and you sit down and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to have candy, maybe I'll have candy, maybe I won't, you're going to have candy. You're going to have candy because it's falling in your lap. People are throwing out, every other person has a bag of candy, they're throwing out. It's going to be in front of you, it's going to look good, it's going to sound good, you're going to eat that candy. You have to decide, you have to be fully devoted. And so if we are fully devoted to God, if we make that decision now, it becomes a little bit easier to obey God's commands because we know that that is our only goal is to obey God's commands. So the time is now to make that decision. Where am I getting this from? Where am I getting this from? Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 is going to be on the screen. It says, therefore, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Okay? Holy and acceptable. I think there's a different version on the screen. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable or holy and pleasing to God. So that, to me, sounds like full devotion. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Can you imagine? Like, that is crazy. We're to be living sacrifices. That's everything we were, everything we are, everything we have, everything we will be, everything we will have. That's everything. Living sacrifices is everything. There's nothing under your life that does not fall under that category. We are to be living sacrifices for God. So... That is a tall order, right? A tall order. Well, what's number two? Number two is we are to live in a response to what God did. We are supposed to live in a response to the gospel, live in a response to what God did. What do I mean by that? Where do I even get that? Well, Romans 12.1, what's the first word? What's the first word? It's therefore, right? Therefore. So what does therefore mean? What's another way to say Therefore. Because of, right? Yeah, so because of what? Well, because of Romans 1 through 11. What does that say? Well, 1 through 3, Romans 1 through 3, in a short, uh, simple paraphrase, is all about sin, right? It's all about how everyone is sin. There's no one without sin. We'll all fall in short uh, from the glory of God, right? That's Romans 3.23. And then Ephesians 2.1 says this. says we are dead in our trespasses. Dead people can't do anything. We were dead. We were literally unable to do anything apart from God. That's how we were born. So we are over here, dead in our trespasses, all sin has separated us from God, right? But then Romans 4 through 8 is talking about salvation. Salvation. So we are all uh, made away through Jesus Christ who came down, lived his life on the cross, was able to bridge the gap for us so that we can come and be with God, right? That is salvation. And not only that, this is crazy to me. I love this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that uh, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So that's 2 Corinthians 5.17. That is amazing. We realize, like, we had to be new creations. We literally had to be new creations because we are dead. Our sin has uh, brought us, separated us from God. There was no way, as we were, we could get to God. So as Jesus bridged that gap, he came down, lived the perfect life on the cross, died for us, so that if we believe in him, Romans 10.9 says this, if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if we really believe that, if we believe in God, we put our belief in God on that bridge, on the way to God, we are made righteous in the eyes of God. That's what Romans is about. We are made righteous and we are new creations under Christ. We are new creations. That is amazing. We were dead in our sins and God breathed life into us. That's the gospel. And so what's after that? Romans 9 through 11. 
What's in Romans 9 through 11? It's about the sovereignty of God. It is about the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? It means that God is in control. God is powerful. There is nothing that happens outside of God's control. He is sovereign. There's nothing to worry about. More more on that later, but there's nothing to worry about. God is in control. And so, what's Romans 12:1 saying? It's saying, because of that, live your bodies as living sacrifice, or offer your bodies as living sacrifice because of the gospel, right? Because we are dead in our sins, because Jesus made a way that we can be new creations and have eternal life with Jesus, and God is in power, he's in control, he's powerful, there's nothing that can separate us from God, right? And also, on top of that, by the way, he loves you enough to send his son for you specifically. He loves you enough to send his son for you specifically. Hey, because of that, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, and we should all be like, yeah, Of course, that seems like the obvious thing to do. Seriously, if somebody sacrificed themselves for you, if somebody sacrificed themselves for you, the common response, the normal response should be, I will offer my body as a living sacrifice. That makes sense. And so we are to live in a response to that gospel. We are supposed to live in a response. But here's the problem, I think. And I know this is true in my life, so I'm assuming it's true in some of y'all's lives is that how often do we actually think about that? How often do we really think about that? Uh, The first core value is devote daily at Outpost. So we're supposed to, we want to push people to devote daily, and I think that's great. But I know for myself, I can tell myself I'm devoting daily. I can sit down for 30 minutes. I can sit down for an hour, whatever it is. Open my Bible, read the Bible, go through an Ephesians study, go to Regen, go to Reengage, whatever it is. I can do all the ministry events. I can go to students and not actually think about the gospel. I can get Bible knowledge, but I'm not really thinking about the gospel. So how in the heck are we supposed to live in a response to the gospel if we don't really think about it? We have to think about it. We have to remind ourselves what Jesus did for us on the cross so we can live in a response to the gospel. And I think that will then propel us to following and obeying his commands. It will propel us to following and obeying his commands. But it's still hard, right? One, because we're forgetful. One, because we don't remember to remind ourselves about it. But two, because the world is going in a different direction, right? So if we're looking at God, if we're focused on God, trying to obey his commands, anytime we're an inch to the left or to the right, right, guess what's happening? The world's trying to pull us. The world is trying to pull us. Any little uh, gap in our belief, any little gap in our focus on God, our obedience to God, the world's trying to grab us. Satan's trying to grab us and yank us as far away as God as he can. That is true. There's a war around us. That is the reality is that there's a spiritual war going on. If you don't believe me, look at the world around us, for real. But... This is going to lead us, because the world is one way, because we're broken, because the world is fallen, going the opposite way, it's going to lead us if we're obedient to God, if we're remembering God, if we're obeying his commands, if we're living in a response to the gospel, if we're fully devoted, it's going to lead us in spots where we have to be courageous. It's leading us in spots where we have to be courageous. So, in kids' ministry, what, it, what do you all think the story was that we learned for courage? Well, there's a few. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But the classic one I always think about is Daniel and the lion's den. And I I was thinking about it as writing this message. I was like, Daniel and the lion's den, that is kind of a story we talk a lot about in kids' ministries across the world. We don't talk about it that much as a group of people when we're adults. It's kind of funny. But 
I think there's a lot of value in that story, right? There's a lot of value in Daniel in the lion's den. If you don't know what that story is, Daniel, who loves God, who has a relationship with God, he knows God, he trusts God, he has put his life uh, on the line for God, he is working for this ruler of the day, right? And the ruler does not love God. The ruler, in fact, wants himself to be God. And so he says, no one can pray uh, to any other gods for a period of time because I want everyone to focus on me. Well, what does Daniel do? He has his trust in God. He's courageous enough to go and do what he has been doing, which is get on his window, pray to God. Gets on his knees, prays to God. He is fully devoted to God, right? He's living in a response to what God has done for him. God loves him. So he prays to God. What happens? Well, the ruler finds out. The ruler actually loved him because he was a good worker, but the consequence of praying was to get thrown into the lion's den, right? So that's where we get the lion's den. He gets thrown into the lion's den. They, think, they honestly assume that he's just going to die, right? The lions are hungry. They're going to eat him. He's going to die. Sorry, Daniel. But guess what happens? The next day they open up the lion's den, and he's hanging out. He's hanging out with those lions. And so, one, he had the courage to pray, and then two, he had the courage to go into the lion's den knowing who his God was, right? And so that is an example of courage. But what I want to do, because I think that there's a lie today, and here's what that lie is, is that people either have courage or they don't. I think that's not true. I think people say that you're either born with courage or you're not. I, that, I do not believe that lie. I think that you can develop courage. Courage is something that can build. You can develop it. You can grow courage inside of you, right? So I want to break down this kind of formula uh, using Daniel's story to show y'all how you can build up your courage. Because the reality is there's a war out there. There is a war going on, a spiritual war, and we're going to need to be courageous people. We have to be courageous people. So what is the first thing? Courage comes from trust in God. Courage comes from trust in God. How do I know this? Well, Daniel trusted in God, right? He knew God. He spent time with God. He trusted his God, his God. He knew his God was good. He knew his God was powerful. He knew that he could trust his God to do what he was going to say to do, he was going to do. So Daniel trusted in God. What was number two? Trust in God. Where does trust in God come from? comes from knowing God, right? That's true in any relationship in your whole life. The more you know someone, you're going to trust them. Maybe you don't trust them the good thing, but like if I know someone and I know they are bad at answering their phones, I'm going to trust that they are not going to answer their phone. But it goes both ways. But with God, it's only one way, right? I can trust God's going to, the more time I spend with God, or the more time, yeah, I know God, the more I know God, I'm going to trust him more and more, right? The more I know God, I can trust his promises are good because I know him. It's a relationship. You have to build that relationship and build the trust. So how do I build that relationship? Well, knowing God comes from spending time with God. Knowing God comes from spending time with God. How do I know that? Well, it's also true in every other circumstance. Spending time with someone is going to increase your knowledge of somebody. That's obvious, right? You're like, yes, yes. That's why devote daily is our first core value, right? It's important to devote daily. We have to know God so that we can, we have to spend time with God so that we can know God, so that we can trust God, so that we can be courageous. We have to know God. There is no way to know God. There's a, his word is right in front of you, right? Open up the Bible. Read the word. He loves you. He's given you the word so that, he, so that you can know him, so that you can know him. Uh, as I was thinking about this idea, though, I, I even this week with uh, Greg and Sydney and, and Kate, I was like, man, I think that a lot of times, um, and I, I said this a little bit earlier, I think a lot of times I can sit down for 
30 minutes, I can sit down for an hour, whatever it is, I can open up my Bible uh, and I call it sitting with God. I can sit with God, sure. But then I can close my Bible and go the rest of the day Addison's way or the rest of the day doing whatever I want to do, thinking about myself being selfish, whatever that looks like. So I can devote daily, sure, but I'm just doing that to get a uh, satisfaction in myself or to check off a box or treat it as something like a to-do list item, which I don't think is always bad. But here's the reality. If that's how I look at at it, then I'm missing out on a lot of time spent with God because I, I can sit with God, but that's different than walking with God. It's different than walking with God. I, uh, when I think of walking with God, a few weeks ago, Dave Eubanks was here uh, of the Free Burma Rangers, and uh, Greg and I got the opportunity to go and sit with him for a, a few hours and talk to him. And I was, I was telling my wife afterwards, it's kind of embarrassing. I was like, man, he, his prayer life, he, it's, it's as if, this is what I said. I said, man, it's as if he has somebody on his shoulder he's just talking to all the time. And I paused, I started laughing. I was like, well... He does have the Holy Spirit, and he can talk to God through prayer. And so that's what I think about. He was walking with God daily, hourly, minute, minute by minute, second by second. He could walk with God. You have that opportunity as well. You can walk with God. You don't have to just sit with God for a few minutes, or 30 minutes, or an hour. We can walk with God throughout the day. You know what that's going to do? If we walk with God throughout the day, it's going to multiply our time spent with God. It's going to multiply our time spent with God. You know what that's going to do? Well, it's going to increase our knowledge of God. It's going to increase our knowledge with God. It's like a relationship. The more time you spend with somebody in a relationship, the more you're going to know them, the more you're going to love them. And guess what? If you know them, well, you're going to trust in God more. And guess what happens then? If you trust in God, that's going to lead to courage. That's going to lead to courageous people. So here's what I'll say. I I said this earlier when I said uh, we need to be fully devoted followers of Christ, right? So we have to make that decision now. If we wait and we don't make that decision, it's going to rule our lives. In that moment, if we're not fully devoted to followers of Christ, right, if we make that decision, if we don't make that decision now, when something, when opposition comes, it's going to be a way harder to follow God. It's going to be way harder to be courageous. We need to make that decision now to spend time with God. Make that decision tomorrow. Make that decision right now to wake up or after this to go read your Bible. After this, spend time with God, to walk with God, pray with your wife, follow God, walk with God instead of sitting with God. We can make that decision now. We can make that decision today. And the reality is this is more and more important each day we go, right? The world is going one way. The world is going one way. We have to go another. So I want to pause I want to pause, take a step back, and remind us, remind myself, what this is all about, right? Because I think that I can get in this uh, process, I can get in this mode of going and going and going and going and doing and doing and doing. The next thing I know, uh, my life is wrecked with to-do list checkboxes for God, right? If I'm in that process of going and going and going and doing and doing and doing, I'm losing the heart of it. What's the heart of it? Love. Love is the heart of it. Love is the heart of it. All of this, the underlying tone of all of this is God's love for us and our response to God's love for us and we are to love God. God wants us to love him because he loved us. God wants us to love him because he loved us. Um, and so in a second, I'm gonna finish and we'll, uh, Greg will come up and do uh, his thing and, and all that. But I, I was thinking how to close this and uh, I was praying on how to close this and I read through my whole thing. I have notes up here. I was reading through it. And I was like, man, what's a good example 
uh, to tell everyone on how to all button this up, right? How to all button this up. Here's the, here's the example. Jesus Christ. I started laughing. It's like everything I wrote is Jesus to a T, right? That's our goal is to be more like Jesus. Everything I talked about is like Jesus. Hey, Jesus was fully devoted. He was God. He was like the 200% man, right? The 100% human, 100% God. He was like the 200% man. He was fully devoted. He lived in response to what God was doing for him. He was God, but God the Father, what God the Father was doing for him. Not only that, he had, he'd spend time with God. It was like random too. Like you read stories in the Bible and they're on their way, him and the disciples to heal somebody and, God, and Jesus is like, hey, I'm actually going to go spend a day with God. And the disciples are like, what do you mean? What do you mean? He spent time with God though. Because he spent time with God, he knew God the Father. Because he knew God the Father, he trusted in the Father, right? Because he trusted in the Father, he was courageous enough to be obedient to the point of dying for you and dying for me. He was courageous enough because he knew the Father. He was obedient. He obeyed the Father to the point of death. That is courageous. That's the example we need, right? We need that example to follow us. And then we need to think about that, live in a response to that. Remember the love that God had for us and that he sent his only son to whoever believed in him will have eternal life. We need to remember that, live in a response to that, and then love God from that. All this thing, all, everything I'm talking about today is all about how to love God more. It's all about how to love God more. And so I want to uh, close by asking this question, because I think it's applicable. And, and I think that if we left today, just answering this one question, it would be a success, okay? Here's the question. How can I better love God? How can I better love God? Ask your community, how can you better love God? I think I need to ask my community, how can I better love God, right? Because maybe it's uh, walking with God versus sitting with God. Maybe it's making that decision to be fully devoted. Maybe it is living in a response and remembering daily what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? Maybe it is spending more time. Maybe it's knowing and trusting God. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. It is a good question to ask. Our purpose in life is to love God and love others. That is the commandments we are to obey. Those are the commandments we are to obey. All right. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Dear Lord, thank you so much um, for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. Thank you for sending your son on the cross to die for us so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, Lord. Thank you for the, making the way for us who are undeserving of your love, who are separated from you so that whoever believes in you can have eternal life. That is amazing. Thank you so much for bringing us here to Cody. Thank you for bringing this group of people here at Outpost to love you and to serve you, God. We pray that we can better love you and we can ask this question to better love you uh, and make our life more devoted to you. We love you in your precious name. Amen.